welcome to the One Degree Shift podcast, where we learn the little changes that future-proof some of our favorite companies and teams. Here's your host, Eric Termundi. Tim Salau, Mr. Future of Work. Welcome to the One Degree Shift podcast. Hey, what's up, man? I'm excited to be here. You're, you're. I'm not gonna say you're a tough guy to get a hold of, but you've Dude, got no this way. community. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying it, but you've got this community in the tens of thousands that just love the work you do. I'm proud to be a member of that community. So, can you tell me a little bit about Mr. Future of Work and Absolutely. everything that Tim is up to? First of all, thank you for having me on, Eric. I love the work that you're doing and the, the work that you're leading, man, for not only us, but for the future. So I really appreciate you having me on, brother. But yeah, my story, my origin story is pretty funny, man. I have been actively evangelizing this future for the last five years now. It started when I was in college using LinkedIn just to hopefully get a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I heard that, yeah. About, you know, the future and artificial intelligence. And actually through LinkedIn, I got my first job with one of the top companies in the world, Microsoft. You know, I was working in what I thought was my dream role as an AI product manager. And six months in, I realized I hated the role. And I realized I hated the role because I was on a team that didn't really care about employee experience. They didn't care about growth and development. And then one day I walk into my manager's office and I tell him, hey, I'm not happy here. I don't feel like I'm growing. And you know what he tells me? He looks me straight in my eyes and he tells me, it's not my job to make you happy. It's not my job to grow you. And that's when I realized that this wasn't the team for me. Although Microsoft was a great company, it's still a great company. I realized that at the team level, that wasn't the space for me and that I needed to go somewhere else. I needed to leave Microsoft to kind of find my purpose and find out what I want to do. And then from there, I really like invested in just evangelizing and creating content and, and really building a, a brand for myself around the future of work with my community. And that's cascaded to you know where I'm at now, leading a company called Guide, which is a life skills training app for high school students who want to learn life skills from their favorite content creators. We're just leading that uh, that initiative with my wonderful team. Amazing. Well, congratulations for making the jump that you did for creating the company that you did, and you know I would call it even a movement that you've created too because you've got you've got a big following behind you. When we talk about the future of work, there's a lot of different ways that we can take it. We can talk about remote and flex work. We can talk about cybersecurity. We can talk about AI and robotics. When you think about the future of work and in the evangelizing that you're doing, what does the future of work mean to you? And what are the things that we can ultimately do as individuals to thrive in the workplace of tomorrow? You know, you have a great point. The future of work is that really big blanket theme, you know, that a lot of us as thought leaders drive a discussion around. But when I think about my niche that I really like focusing on, it's this idea of career fulfillment and career control. Now that we are living in a generation where you can work on demand, we now have more priority and really more control over how we use our time and what we give our time to. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily have to work in dead-end jobs. We can flex our time and work in multiple jobs that may be aligned to our passion, whether it be if you are a mom and you still want an Uber just so you can meet people and socialize, that's an option for you. So I really try to like talk about the future from this angle of what does it mean for the individual who is going into an organization and is wanting a better employee experience or wanting to be fulfilled in their work, brother. I'm listening and I want to be more fulfilled in the work that I'm doing. I I want to be part of something that's bigger than a team. I want people to be invested in my personal development. I want to be invested in theirs. You know, I'm, I'm social. 
I want to get the most out of my life through work. And I think that work isn't something we do from nine to five anymore. It's the life that we choose to live. And so what are the steps that I can take to have a more fulfilling tomorrow through work? You know what, man? Number one, I think this is more so personal. One. Number one is you have to make a decision. And this is really digging deep and asking yourself the tough questions. And you know, it's actually something that you mentioned that you're gonna do with me on this podcast right before we got on. Asking yourself intrinsically the tough questions, as in a lot of people actually, whether it be they get their first jobs or they've been in a job for the last 10 years, they actually don't know their unique value proposition from like a skill standpoint, a strength standpoint, an expertise standpoint. So I employ the person that's listening to this right now, understand your unique value proposition from your skills to your strengths to your area of expertise that you're really, really great at, right? That you can tout, that you can really evangelize. Okay, so hold on. I'm going to pause you there because I want to dive a little bit deeper on that front. I've got a lot of things that people tell me that I'm good at. I don't know what I'm great at. How, How do I really identify what that value proposition is? What is that one thing? Is it the thing that I like most? Is it the thing that I'm best at? In your case, how did you find what your value proposition was? Oh man, dude, I love that you're asking this. So I actually realized what my value proposition was by locking myself in the library. Amazing. How long were you there for? (laughs) For about two hours, man. I was there for two hours. It was literally one random day in Austin. I used to live in Austin. That's where I went to grad school. And I Mm -hmm. literally went into a library. I had a journal with me and I outlined what are the things people tell me I'm great at? What are the things I don't get nods about? I don't get people telling me, oh, like you're really, really good at calculus or you're really, really good sure. at Excel or something like that, right? Or you're really, really good at bookkeeping. I don't get that. So mm-hmm. I really outlined that. I outlined my skills. I literally just had this very reflective exercise, right? And I employ anyone to have that literally tactical reflective exercise of saying, let me ask myself and think about up to this point in my life, whether I'm an entry level or I've been in corporate America for 20 years, what have been the things that have led to my success? What do people mm-hmm. look to me for? What am I the go-to A player for? And let mm-hmm. me write that down. That's how you find your unique value proposition. You literally put it in a notebook and you read it and you even share it with your husband or with your mm-hmm. team and ask you like, does this make sense? Is this me? Does this character mm-hmm. who I am? Mm-hmm. Let me get feedback on it. The next question then. And I think that let's just say hypothetically in Microsoft, you did know your value proposition, but then you've got a team or someone who's your superior that doesn't support you, even if you know your value proposition. So the follow-up question is, how do you surround yourself with people that support you and what you can bring to the table? Mm. By the way, I think this is, (laughs) I'm, I'm kind of digging for an answer here because I think you've done this better than most with the community that you've started to build. Yeah, man. Eric, you know, and I love that you mentioned that because honestly, bro, I, I would love to say that it starts with the people, the, the people you surround yourself with starts with the community that you seek. Tell me more about that. So when I was at Microsoft, dude, I was miserable. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was miserable, bro. But I love the company, but I was miserable on the team, bro. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was so funny. I was so miserable, but there was probably one or two people on my team who weren't as miserable as I, they were okay, but who I came to, who I sought out because they brought me energy, right? Mm -hmm. So I was there for a while due to them because they were friends to me. And I I will never forget, she was actually a principal product manager at Microsoft at the time. I won't give her her name out because, you know, just to respect her privacy. But I would go to her, I'll let her know 
you know, what I was going through, what my issues, the issues I was facing and the fact that I wasn't happy and I could have a heart to heart with her. And I think she exemplified what was actually missing within our culture, but she actually had it, which was this idea of being an empathetic leader, being a compassionate leader. And on the team I was on, I hated my manager, the manager I reported to, but I loved the other person that was a manager on our team, but was I wasn't reporting to, right? And I think it was like that perfect antithesis to the fact that people go to the devil that they know. And I've heard this quote before, but you go to the people who give you clarity, who give you warmth, who make you feel like you matter. You know what I'm saying? So I think, but I sought that out because I knew she was kind of like my safe haven in a hell. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. (laughs) On a bad team. So I think, you know, that that was one person for me. But, you know, as you mentioned, with the work that I've done with Guide and, you know, I'm mentors and mentees community, you know, that's, we have over 10,000 global members who are passionate about career mentorship and giving back to people. We always ask that people seek us out, right, and join our community, join this movement that we're creating so we can drive, you know, fulfillment in people's lives. This is your show, but if I could add something, you know, I just want to share that Deloitte put out some numbers in December of 2019, and they said that 71% of people in America are open to taking a new job right now. So for those who are listening, know that it doesn't have to be as scarce or extreme as Tim's situation, but to find that value proposition and to find those people who are those empathetic leaders that care about who you are, know that it doesn't have to take to the 11th hour or till it gets as bad as it can be before you start having these conversations. And and what I've realized is that the fact that you're having these conversations is honestly the first step that we can take to be creating something a little bit more positive and a little bit more meaningful, whether that means leaving the job or not, because many cases it means you don't have to leave the job too, though that is an option. So what would you say now, based on what you've learned from Guide, what are you doing to be a more empathetic leader? And what are you doing for your team to ensure that the same thing doesn't happen to them that did to you? And I was going to add to that. Those are those one degree shifts. That- That's right. Hey, there it is. <laughs> right. As, you know, as individuals within the workforce and as leaders. So with God, what I'm really doing, because we're a startup team, right? We mm-hmm. don't necessarily have the problems of highly matrix organizations yet. And I have this opportunity as, you know, as our CEO and as our, as our leader, as the frontline leader in this company that we're building to really think about this from the ground up and be intentional. And one thing that I've realized is that leading a distributed team is hard, right? Mm -hmm. I've had a few friends that were supporting us in the start of our journey. And the best way that I've been intentional about creating a culture in which empathy is at display is actually using things like every week, right? For example, I'm sharing videos in our Slack chat, right? Mm -hmm. Of just motivational quotes, inspiration. So the team knows that, hey, I'm here for you if you need me, that I'm right. learning and this is some of my learnings for the week, just so I can show that I'm present, mm-hmm. right? Because you're not, if you're leading a team and guy, we're most, we're a distributed team. When you're leading a team that's distributed and everyone is, someone is in Seattle, someone is in Austin, someone is in Germany, what happens there is not the fact that communication gets wonky. Communication is actually good. What happens is the connectivity. Like the empathy, mm. the emotional quotient starts to feel distant, right? Like people, if people don't feel as if like a person is present in their lives. And as a leader, you know, I have weekly one-on-ones with our team, but I'm also also sending them like messages of love, right? Mm-hmm. Let them know that I care about it. How's your career going? How's, how's your mom doing, right? And, you know, what I've realized now, you know, with my prior experience, you know, on the team at Microsoft and just like my prior experience in corporate America, right? Like, sure. <laughs> And listening to everyone's stories is that 
you know, what we really need in this generation is more life skills. Tell me more about life skills. So life skills are essentially the skills day to day that you use to be successful on the job, but also to be a good father, to be a good mother. And with Guy, we're really focused on life skills training. So, and it's funny because a, a lot of the work that I'm doing with Guy, I also study when it comes to skills acquisition around the future of work and what are the skills that are going to be really necessary and, and will make people more employable. It's being able to effectively communicate. It's being able to have empathy, have compassion, have that motivation to inspire people, right? So I think, you know, in my role now with, with our teammate Guy, I try to literally embody those values and, and make them virtues, right? Mm-hmm. As in like daily habits that I'm displaying so my team can feed off. What's the difference between a habit, a value, and a virtue? Oh, that's a good one. So virtues and habits are actually the same. So virtues okay. and habits are the same thing. Virtues are what you do. Values are like the underlying drivers of a virtue. So okay. one of the values of a guide is embrace community. Right. Okay. That means like do things that drive the social wellness of not only our team members, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. holding each other accountable and finding ways to give back to the people within our team, but also your community. But the virtue of that is actually doing it, right? So what so does I, it look to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's actually finding ways. For example, one thing that I do as as our leader is, you know, I work with organizations such as. It's a youth center out here in Oakland called West Oakland Youth Center. And I really do a lot of work with training, life skills training for their youth out here mm-hmm. uh, in Oakland. So that's something that I'm doing. That's a virtue. So the value right. is in this community, but the actual doing of it is actually going out into these communities like Oakland and actually working with these kids on life skills training. Yeah, amazing. As we start to uh, wrap up the conversation here, I just got one more sort of area that I want to discuss uh, w- with you, and that is understanding that self-worth piece and going back to understanding our value proposition. Maybe we feel that on the flip side, there are a lot of different places that we could go. Uh, How do we determine what that best next step would be? How do we determine that one degree shift so that we can find that most fulfilling place for us to go next? I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Eric. Because I don't think, you know, I, I don't I, I don't think there's blanket answers for everything. It's all a matter mm-hmm. of perspective. But I think that sometimes there is opportunities for us to reflect on the past to understand where we need to go next. And I'll give you an example of this. So I grew up in a household where my dad was preaching every single week. He was a speaker, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was a community builder. It's like almost to like exactly what I do today. He was a speaker and a community builder, essentially building a community around you know, a, a religion, right? Christianity, but also everyday speaking. And he was diligent at it for like the last 10 years. Now, I think about the man that I am now. I speak about, I evangelize a future, but like in a different domain. And I am, I'm building my own community, right? With Guy, with mm-hmm. Guy and, and our community. And when I think now about the man that I am and becoming, I think about the past in the household I grew up in with my father, right? right? And really reflecting and observing him all throughout my life. And now I realize, oh my God, I'm exactly like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> father right yeah and what i and i say that to say now think about someone who is in a maybe in a dead-end job they don't know what to go where they want to go next and i think it harpens back to what we were talking about earlier is that look through your history look through Mm -hmm. your past 
you know, what are those streaks of engagement, enlightenment, fulfillment that you felt that really brought you great joy? Then look right. at your future and say, the person that I want to become, especially I think in this, in this next 10 years of, uh, of, of work, and I think with all of the innovation happening, right? Like from AI to blockchain to VR and all of these like popular things that we as, as leaders talk about, where do I fit into that future and where can I uniquely offer value? I feel as if I can, me personally, I feel as if I can offer value by helping people understand the importance of life skills and really building community around that movement. And you, like, right, Eric, you feel as if you could do that by helping people make that one degree shift at work, right? right? As business leaders, we have chosen a niche. That's a niche that we've chosen. Mm -hmm. I think I encourage everyone else to do the same. This has been fantastic. Is there anything else that uh, you want to leave us with today? Yeah, man. I want to say, look, make that one degree shift in your life. (laughs) Literally understand that work and life are blurring, man. You know, Mm -hmm. like find ways as a leader employ the habits that will allow you to make the one degree shift so you can be successful and uh, be proud of the person you want to become. Tim, this has been phenomenal. To those listening, make sure you follow Tim on LinkedIn, though you probably are along with everyone else in America. And uh, he's new. He's on, he's on TikTok now. So check him out there. Um, check out guide. And uh, thanks so much for listening today. For more podcasts, show notes, and to connect with our speaker today, visit ericturmundi.com. That's E-R-I-C-T-E-R-M-U-E-N-D-E.com. And click the podcast tab. Thanks for listening.